This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belbit DeVoe. You're truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This, this is Invo. This is India Ari. Oh, much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Cafe Mocha wishing you and your family a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. We've got a throwback interview with journalist Danielle Smith celebrating women in music, including Yo-Yo. Cafe Mocha begins now. On the line, authoress, journalist, Danielle Smith. Her new book is called Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop. Welcome to Cafe Mocha, Danielle. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on Cafe Mocha. <laughs> uh, we, we love it and we love our authors here. So tell us a little bit about your book, Shine Bright. Everybody calls everything a labor of love. Well, this is really, truly, truly a labor of love. I tell everybody that I'm sort of mad that it's done, that I'm not still working on it because I love so much writing about Black women who make music, who create music, who create art, who work around the women, who create some of the best music this country has ever, ever heard. And one of the main reasons that I wanted to write the book from the beginning is because I love to see Black women in music receive the credit that they are due. I just think that they don't get it. And I think that it's time for their stories to be told in detail, not as summary, not just as first, which is great, but Black women in music are more than that. Their stories are more than that. And the other thing I think that is interesting about my book, Shine Bright, is that it's a merge of memoir, um, the story of my life in music, as well as the story of people's lives in music, anybody from Aretha Franklin to Jody Watley to Millie Small to Mariah to Janet to Whitney, all the way back to Marian Anderson, Nancy Wilson, Ella Fitzgerald. I mean, we go in. So it's, um, it's very exciting, and I'm very excited. I'm so excited, too, because looking at the cover, which is an album, a vinyl record with flowers around it. I mean, what was your motivation? Yes. You know, we, it's such a great team of designers over there at One World, uh, Penguin Random House, and we were going around and around and around, like, what will most symbolize, you know, just giving people credit, you know, and, you know, everybody says it now, to give people their flowers while they can smell them, and and you put that vinyl on there that, you know, you start thinking of vinyl and CDs and and everything that we all sort of grew up with. And you say, let's give, let's give folks their flowers. Let's do it. And that is what Shine Bright does. It tells these stories. Um, and, and it tells the accomplishments, yes, but it also tells the trials and the tribulations. There's a lot of joy in Shine Bright, but there's also a lot of the things you have to go through kind of to get to the joy. You know, I want to talk a, a little bit about sort of the downs. Uh, I guess over the past few months, six months, or so we've seen a couple of Britney documentaries. And as I'm watching the Britney doc, I can't help but think that, you know, she wouldn't exist if it weren't for Janet. And then the Janet doc comes out. And I just wonder as somebody who has been around the industry and looking at, you know, 
looking specifically at kind of the way Janet has been represented in the press. What are your thoughts? There's never enough press for Janet Jackson. There's never enough um, lifting her up to genius. There's never enough. I don't care if I spoke her name every minute, 24 hours a day, and so did y'all and all y'all friends and family members. It just would not be enough. I think that it's not just that Janet doesn't get the credit for the ways that she's influenced everybody from Britney to Sierra to Beyonce on down to Nashe. I could keep going. Amari, everybody that's come after her, really, anybody that sings and dances at the same time. Um, she doesn't get enough credit for that, but what she really, really doesn't get enough credit for, and this is something I talk about deeply in Shine Bright, is the fact that she had the nerve, she had the fearlessness and the bravery to become the star that she became in her brother's shadow. She did not allow um, herself to say, my brother is literally the biggest pop star this world has seen ever. But you know what? I'm going to do it too. I'm going to excel. People are going to know my name. As they know Michael, they shall know Janet. And she does not get the credit that she deserves just for that. It's Cafe Mocha on the line, author Danielle Smith, her new book, Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop. You know, Danielle, on, on this show, we really try to highlight urban AC, R&B. Why is it that especially our Black, in your opinion, our Black women pop stars, they don't get to shine like an Adele <laughs> or a Celine Dion? You know, Give me a break with Adele. I'm sorry, great voice, but the very I remember the very first time I heard her, I was working at a hot AC station, you know, a, a white station. I'm like, wait, this ain't nothing but R and B. This yeah. ain't nothing but soul music. So yeah, good question. Mm-hmm. Good question. Man, listen, it's um the tough one. Adele is a is a is an amazing vocalist. She comes from a long line of non black uh vocalists that sing soul music. We could go all the way back, as I'm sure you all know, to Dusty Springfield. We could go we could go just far back. I mean, we all love Tina Marie, but Tina Marie's right there. It's it's so complex and so awful in this country that, that white people just receive more credit, more money, more acknowledgement, more lifting up to genius than black people do for doing the exact same thing and usually better. And it's, it's so unfortunate because what it does is it doesn't allow us to love the Adele's with our whole heart. It doesn't allow us to love the Amy Winehouses with our whole heart because we know that the playing field is unfair. Just the fact that, I mean, you guys know I was editor of Billboard, so I believe in the data points. I believe in all the different AC, urban AC, you know, bubbling under, hot, you know, best 200 albums, hot 100, all of that. But all of those things started out as very segregated, and most of them remain segregated at this very moment. But I remember when we did this, uh, it was like an anniversary of the AC format when I was at Billboard the last time, and I interviewed Johnny Mathis. Like, Johnny Mathis has sold more records than anybody even wants to think about. It's up towards 100 million records, okay? And Johnny Mathis doesn't feel that he is considered along the same lines as, you know, like Frank Sinatra or any of these kind of people, Tony Bennett. So it's the Adele's and it's everywhere. It's unfortunate. You know, it's just with Elvis Presley and Big Mama Thornton. It just goes back. 
So you've had over 30 years in music with Vibe and Billboard, and you've seen the transition that women have had to make. And in this book, you say you talk about not just women in pop, but you talk about your own story. Can you tell us that transition of over 30 years behind the scenes in music? The adult part of it, you know, it comes with its trials and tribulations. It's really something that I feel that I'm blessed to work in music. It brings me so much joy. I mean, I see the pain in in Black women artists. I see the pain in male hip-hop artists. I see a lot of the pain that's in the music business from being short-sold to having to beg to be played on pop stations. I remember when hip-hop wasn't even being booked into nightclubs in the Bay Area, which is my home area, and I did a big story about that a long time ago. It was like, I see that pain, but at the same time, music does bring me a lot of joy, so... I do feel very blessed to work in what we all call, you know, the industry. And But then people ask me, well, Danielle, how did you end up in the industry? And I really do believe I had my eye on the quote-unquote industry before I even knew what it was. I think when my mother took me to my first concert, I was eight years old. I saw the Jackson 5, Janet Jackson was opening. I saw them at the Circle Star Theater in San Carlos, California. And I think that my destiny was pretty much set in stone at that time. And... You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. And I had a very rough childhood, very tumultuous. And I outline it in Shine Bright. And the thing is, I wish I could tell you it did not mirror the lives of a lot of women in our business. Everything isn't, you know, physical abuse is terrible. Sexual abuse is obviously tragic, terrible. It's the most awful thing in the world. There's also mental abuse, spiritual abuse. Uh, neglect, those kinds of things that do have a large effect on people, especially people who want to stand out front. I write a lot about ambition and how people look at ambition in Black women and just get mad. And so there's all types of abuse that will lead you away from your path. And my thing is, I wanted to write Shine Bright to, to remind people that You can stay on your path or you can make your new path the bomb path. You can turn your new path into your destiny, which is what I think I did. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo. On the line, Danielle Smith. Her book is called Shine Bright, a very personal history of Black women in pop. Um, Danielle, I've noticed that, you know, when white women these days scream, uh, Me Too, and they talk about the abuses of Harvey Weinstein or Marilyn Manson. Things happen, but it feels like, like we all know, okay, because we were around in the 90s mm-hmm. before people were getting politically correct, Hello. and we we know what was going on. Um, why hasn't that been exposed? What's going on? That's such a good question. I want to have the answer, but what I really have is a guess. You know what I'm saying? I really think, I'm guessing, that there is this thing within the Black community, and I resist, like, saying the Black community because everyone tries to act like we're all the same and we're not. But I do think that there is a thread that runs in the Black community and among Black women in particular that says, if I tell the authorities on this male, if it's a black male, I don't know that the authorities are going to treat him fairly. I don't know that the authorities aren't going to kill him. Right. If I call them to the house. And it's like, I just feel like that's a big part of it still. Mm -hmm. I also feel that 
so many times as black women also, and this is really something I don't think I'm guessing at. I think I know this. I think that we don't tell one, because it's true. People don't believe mm-hmm. it's, it's so ugly. Uh, people so rarely believe the victimized. But I also just feel that, I hate to say this out loud, I, I think that a lot of us feel that we can deal with it. Mm. I think we feel that, you know, whether it's telling your older brother or your father, whether it's keeping it inside, whether it's, uh, what, what did we used to do when I was young? Did we used to put sugar in people's gas tanks? Did we used to uh, keep people's cars, slip people's tires? Don't let me get people ideas. Call the phone company and get people's all their utilities cut off. Just finding ways to get revenge that don't involve telling authorities or telling our stories because we think, you know, I can handle it. I don't want to be embarrassed. But then the other part to me is that when we do tell our stories, it feels like people don't even believe us. I don't know if it was a documentary or docu-series that came out during the pandemic on HBO Max called On the Record that talked about Russell Simmons. Oof. They don't believe. I think that there are so many people, so many Black women that are sitting on that story or stories. Hmm. I think yeah. that when people say um, she is so mad all the time. Um, when people say, how come all she ever does is work? Hmm. Okay. She's always working. When people say, you know, she only lives her life for her kids. I don't even think she dates. She doesn't date at all. I haven't really seen her date anybody. She just lives her life for her children and her children are doing beautifully, but that's just all she does. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really do very much for herself. And I think it's because a lot of us are sitting on these stories and when we're sitting on them, then we're not comfortable with ourselves. So we, maybe we are, you know, perceived as why is she always mad or we're perceived as why is she always just about her children all the time? She never does anything for her. Why is she always helping? Why is she always the one that cooks, 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 cooks? You know what I mean? Why, why is there that auntie that's always known for just go over her house and there's just always food, always food? Because a lot of times you're doing things to escape thinking about mm-hmm. the thing that hurts you the most. Wow. It's I ugly. agree. No cap. It's <laughs> ugly. And, and the thing is, and we try to sing our way through it, right? All up in choir rehearsal. Yeah. We try to uh, drink our way through it. We try to eat our way through it. Um, if we feel like it, we try to, we try to sleep with folks our way through it. Um, you know, but it it really ain't no way out, but through, I'm a firm believer in, in therapy. I'm a firm believer in finally, and let me not act like I've always been this way now, but I'm finally a firm believer in therapy. I'm finally a firm believer in, in saying your truth even when it makes yourself uncomfortable and others uncomfortable. And it's not easy. I judge no one that chooses not to or takes their time about it. But I do think that the only way out is through. Shining bright. bright. It's about the conversation and living through your truth. I'm so excited that you've written this book and I cannot wait to read it. I am excited to hear the powerful message. Well, I am so excited that you're excited, especially you. Yo-yo, because the thing about it being a very personal, um, and I'm not going to get emotional, but I will, because getting emotional about another Black woman's work yes. is giving credit. Girl, a Black Pearl? No. Yolanda. Yes. That record yes. has gotten me through, girl, years. 
my husband is like, you and that record, have you ever, he always says, have you ever told Yo-Yo about your relationship with that record and how you know every word and how when she says, girl, let me lift you up where you belong? Mm-mm. Yolanda. I know. You got me over here crying. Because it's true, though. It's true. I get asked all the time about women in rap, and I say, yo-yo. I say, yo-yo. Girl, you did it for us. You did it for the West Coast girls, and you did it for everybody. So, you know, it came when out of- I speak to my husband, Elliot, who I know you know. Yes, when I love. speak to Elliot, I am going to tell him I spoke with Yo-Yo today. <laughs> and as you have been advising me for years, I told her what that song means to me. Girl, it's a beautiful record, and you deliver it like a queen. Thank you. Thank you. I know. Yeah, we go way back. That record did a lot for me being in the industry, coming in at 18 and just seeing it, seeing the world, like being able to look at the world. Thank you. Shine Bright, I I love it. I I went to try to buy it and that's when I seen the cover. That's what I love about the cover. When I looked at the cover of the book, you know, the bright orange, the record, the record automatically, to me, the vinyl record symbolized hardship. Because just for me as a woman in the industry, it just... I know how tough it is for women in this industry. And then I think about you, Danielle, when I saw, you know, that we were interviewing you today, I just was like, wow, to see a woman succeed over 30 years in this oh. industry. Oh, my goodness. For you to rise up in, 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 with, in your platform, using your platform to talk about women in music. Yeah. It means a lot because you've taken the journey with us. And that's why I'm so excited to read the book. I know our listeners, I mean, we have one of the greats on the line, not just her, but her whole party, her aunt, her whole entourage symbolizes um, power. And, you know, oh. I, I can't wait to read Shining Bright. Oh, I can't wait for you to read it. Uh, I think you're I think I hope you like it. And I hope everybody just takes it for what it is, which is just like it's a really the story of black women in music and the story of the music that means so much to me, that, the music that means a lot to my mother, her generations of music and even the music that means a lot to my grandmother, God rest her soul, because those are the songs that we grew up on. We grew and, you up know, on coming from the Bay. You have just, you know, the Bay is almost like the East Coast for me. Like people, you know, the the Bay is not L.A. and people say that. But coming from the Bay, the Bay had culture like the East Coast had culture when music came in. It did. You're coming in in 89. Woo! Yes. Are you kidding me? I don't want to go too deep into it because we could, I could stay on the phone with you all day. But when I think about how when we were coming up, Yo-Yo, and it was like a digital underground with Tupac and it was like in Vogue. Tony, 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 MC Hammer, JJ said, like, come on. It was everything. Yeah. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Danielle Smith. The book is called Shine Bright, a very personal history of black women in pop. And I want to ask you, since you brought up Yo-Yo's song, what role does the rap diva play in this conversation? Because it's only recently that we've had more than just a couple of female rappers. Now, you know, they're dominating the chart. So how does that sort of change the discussion about what a diva is when it comes to Black music? It's such a long time coming for uh, Black women, MCs, Black women rappers. It's just a very long time coming. There's so many people 
that put in so much work. I think uh, rappers like Nicki Minaj, like uh, Cardi B. Uh, I really do like a uh, rapper out of Detroit right now named Cash Doll. Um, there's so many great uh, rhymers right now, and they're standing on the shoulders of, of, of women that really put in all that work. I think that it changes the conversation uh, some, but not altogether, no. I think that if we had a little round table of women rappers, even from right now, even if they were all on the charts right now, um, and we just said, so how is it? <laughs> How's it going? What was your journey like over the last five to 10 years? I don't know that it's going to sound that different from Yo-Yo's journey. I would love to say things have changed completely and it's all super fabulous because Cardi's diamond. I love that record so much. I knew she was out of here from Bodak Yellow. From the moment I heard it, I said, no, she out of here. But that didn't make me think. And so now everything is different in the hip hop game for women. Right. No, Cardi B was influenced as Lauryn Hill was when she was pregnant to not be pregnant because it was going to, you know, cause her career to not be what it could be. She mm -hmm. was advised. Mm -hmm. Both of them were. And this is a, what a 20 year span between their biggest albums. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, so have things changed? I don't know. I think that they're more visible. I think they're smarter. I think they know better how to get money. I think they know better how to promote themselves. I think they probably make better decisions than I know I did when I was their age. But I don't think a lot has changed because that's so basic. Try to influence a woman's pregnancy. I mean, come I, on. Right. Come We've on. We've been through that. Yeah. Yes. Why should, why should these girls go through this, the girls that are 25 and 30 now, go through what I was going through 25 years ago? Huh. Like, No. It just speaks to how slow the culture can move with regard to black women. It moves slow. I mean, we get there. As you can see, Supreme Court Justice. Hello. Right. You know, Vice President Kamala and all these things. Another California girl doing, doing big things. But how long, like, the, the, it grinds, man. The, the, the wheel moves so slow for black women. And I, I want it to speed up, man. I want it to speed up. I want the shining brighter to happen sooner. Danielle Smith, the book is called Shine Bright, A Very Personal History of Black Women in Pop. Thank you, Danielle. Oh, thank you for having me. You guys are lovely. Think of me again. You're appreciated. Absolutely. You so Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is the espresso. While the Biden administration's debt forgiveness plan is tied up in court, Black Lives Matter just opened applications for this. The foundation has set aside $500,000 with plans to award more than 500 people with relief payments. Plus, L.A. just swore in their first woman and second black mayor, Karen Bass. My first act as mayor will be to declare a state of emergency on homelessness. A state of emergency on homelessness. And Zoe Saldana's back in Avatar. There's three times as many characters, more characters. Um, the world is bigger. The stakes are higher. Avatar in theaters this weekend. That's the espresso. We're at Cafe Mocha Radio. Art tells a story, your story, and inspires others in your community to do the same. This Black History Month, AARP is celebrating the undeniable impact and contributions of black art and artists everywhere. 
We're thrilled to celebrate these creatives over 50. Through their work and persistence, they make society a better place by bringing us all closer together. Learn more at aarp.org slash black community. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. On the line is Miss Sherry Shepard. Welcome back to the show, Sherry. How are you? Hi, ladies. How are you? Hello, Not as good as you are. Listen, not as good as you. We are so excited. Can I just scream for one second, Angelique? Congratulations! (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. So I know you've probably been in the lab working on what this show was going to look like, but can you kind of take us back? You know, you were filling in for Wendy. How did it go down? You know, let's get a play-by-play of the production company calling you and saying what? Oh, wow. They called me to co-host, to fill in for her, as they did with all of the other folks. And it turned out that I got really great ratings that tied with Ellen and Kelly Clarkson for third place. And so... Every time I came on, my ratings were high and mm. they offered me you know, because a Wendy show was coming to an end that season. And so it was that time slot was up for grabs. And so they came to me with the offer of a talk show, which is something that I, you know, have been a dream of mine for a long, long time. You know, I thought this would be great. This is what a blessing. Well-deserved, first of all, because, you you know, just to hear that Wendy was going out, you know, we followed that entire story. And of course, me growing up with Wendy Williams as a journalist, radio personality to a TV bigwig, I was watching the show just to see how things kind of played itself out. And every time I would see you on the show, I would get excited. I mean, I watched it when I knew you were coming. I wanted to see what you were talking about it. I wanted to see the transitions, all of those good things. Even the days you missed, I was like, what? She's not here. She's sick. She's got what? An emergency. What is happening? But, you know, (laughs) I went to look for you. And so to see that they came back around to honor you and, and, and represent you for the, for your own show, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, you know, the, I think it was kind of being ready when the opportunity presented itself mm-hmm. and, you know, knowing that everything that I had done kind of was leading up to this point of being ready, you know, uh, co-hosting Dish Nation, co-hosting The View, doing stand up, like all of that just played a part of it. So even during tour with Babyface and Kim, you know, talking to a nine, 10,000 people has prepared me for doing a talk show. So, and I just love people. So it, I'm very thankful. So we're talking to Sherry Shepard. It's Cafe Mocha. Now, Sherry, you know, I'm your girl, right? You know, I'm your soul sister, right? Now, <laughs> I'm always here. Do you listen? You go holler about a man for us all. You know, you know, there's a shortage out here. How in the yeah. heck? Are you around all these fine, oh, men? Tell me, tell me, tell me you haven't, tell me you, you got some groupies. Well, you know, I told people, um, I said that song that Kim made, how, you know, where he sings, how did you find your way back in my life? I said, I'll be on that tour bus. That's how uh-huh. I found my way in your life. Don't <laughs> don't underestimate a stalker who, who's a stand-up comic who's about to get her on talk show. I got stalker tendencies, <laughs> <laughs> oh Ask the ex-boyfriends who's with another woman. 
in the apartment mm-hmm. building. Oh, I was a stalker. So, um, where are you sharing? It's good. <laughs> You telling me, mama, you telling me you ain't never sat with your girlfriend outside that building waiting for him to come out? I have like all night duty. Yeah, I have been busted on security camera chasing a car through the through the garage. That did happen. Let me tell you something. I'm I'm good at it. Now, I don't do it at this age. I don't do it no more because if I was stalking a guy, I probably fall asleep. I'd get restless leg syndrome sitting in the same spot. And then if you ain't got the air conditioner on in the car, I'm going to be hot flashing. So probably mm. when he comes out, I'd be knocked over sleep because about 10 o'clock, I'm ready to go to bed. So I'm not as good of a stalker as I would like to be when now, I was now, in my you, 20s. Now, now, you know, you cannot go to sleep before the men. You know that. Your actions off. Honey. You, you, come on. Code, code 101. Yeah, let me tell you about auntie. Code about these hormones. Code 101. Girl. <laughs> Auntie be hot flashing and tired at the same time. So Sherry, if you see someone you like and you, 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 you know, that energy hits you like, Ooh, like, like electricity. You see somebody yeah. over there that you are like, wow, who in the heck is that over there? Now, do you send your people over there to investigate the situation? And if your people go over there to investigate the situation, whose number are you giving them? Uh, yes, I would send somebody over there because <laughs> okay. I've done it with Bumble. I've done that with Bumble. My girlfriends have seen guys that they think what? are my type and they will send them a message on Ooh. Bumble and say, we have a girl. I have a girlfriend who's, you know, she's an entertainer and you look like her type. Would you, you know, what do you do? You know, um, do you have any children? And do they, they kind of investigate. Do they go on the met, first yeah, date too? Date. Do they, no, do yeah. they go on the first date and then let you know, oh, yeah, he's cool. No, they haven't gone on a date. They will give me the number and I will text them and I'll say, hi, hi, James. My name is Sherry. My girlfriend, Sally, said you look like a person that I want to meet. And they think they're being catfish. Yeah. But I have gone out on three or four dates off Bumble like that. I'm not on Bumble, but my girlfriends are. And I've gone on dates. So I definitely, if I saw somebody I like, I would send my road manager or one of the background dancers over to investigate. And then, yeah, we could take it from there. Because you, do you feel like there's a shortage in men? Like, do you feel like our generation, I mean, do you feel like there are not enough men for us? Or do you feel like you've made it so far in this industry that you need to find you a specific type of guy? Like, you know, I'm, I'm single. I'm, I've been divorced since 2016. And this newly single thing and you know my work ethics is really it's a conflict I'm trying to figure it out help me you know what it's a hard one girl and I think that there are it's all we need is that one and I think that there are but I think that so many women feel like he's got to make this amount of money he gotta do this Mm -hmm. he gotta be like that and I think we we cut out a lot of really good men because here's the thing at the level that we are Sometimes it's hard finding the guy at this financial level. And I'm going to tell you, men at our financial level, they tend to be really controlling because they Mm. want what they want. They want who they want. They want it when they want. And we're at the age we're like, well, you're not going to get it right now because I'm tired. (laughs) And that's why I had nerve get the kicking in. Thank you. And I'm hot. And you got to roll up on your side. You're not going to get it cooked. DoorDash is the way we're going to go. And so, but I think, that sometimes we have to expand. I've been on some really great dates with people. And for me, I've been going, God, send me who you, you say I need. 
not so much what I want, but who do I need? Because I've gone out on dates with people, men who would, you know, I, I, ain't gonna, I don't like using Kevin Samuels terms, but high income earners. Mm-hmm. And they don't match my lifestyle. They right. don't match what what I would need. You know, for me, and, and I've learned to tell men what I want. I, you can't be calling me on a Monday and I don't hear from you till next Tuesday because you busy. I'm busy. You busy. This is not going to work. Man, they love you know, in her right. She lonely and depressed. She need a dog in her life. Okay. We're at Cafe Mocha Radio. Socially savvy on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're talking to Sherry Shepard. It's Cafe Mocha. Sherry, I hear you, and um, I'm not going to argue with what you're saying. But the other part of that is that oftentimes the uh, the everyday Joe gets intimidated or uncomfortable with the profile, the status. This isn't something that he's used to. Um, I know. So. (sighs) And I'm not arguing with you. I believe you me. I am not arguing with you. Once, you know, you let somebody go behind their railroad, it's intoxicating. It literally, I have had men get in a picture with me and they knock me out the way to get closer to the other celebrities. And I'm like, hey, hey, wait, wait. You know, I've had men go with me on a red carpet and then they like, well, what? how come they telling me to move? That's why I don't take them with me to work. Right. It just don't work. You know, so I, I'm not arguing with you at all. It, it really has to be, he has to be very secure in who he is. And uh, that's what I look at. I, I tend not to now date people in my industry. I ask them first, what do you want to do? Oh, you want to be an actor? All right, we got, can you take me home? You want to write? Oh, hey, I got, I, we can't meet. You want to do what? Voiceovers? Mm-mm. Just not, you a comic? Uh, mm, sorry. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you, you're on your That's way to funny. the top now, sister. I mean, and if you've kissed the sun before. And we are so excited. I know I'm excited you. to watch well, yeah. you Monday through Friday. I mean, I love your energy. I love your your honesty. Um, I love hearing about your family life. I hear I love hearing about your travels. And I, I love that you keep it real. And I love that. Well, thank you so much. You bring I appreciate some, you bring it. I'm re- spiced to our lives. I appreciate that. I'm I'm very, very excited uh with series. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, really excited. I'm very thankful to God. And I just tell people, you know, sometimes a no doesn't mean no. It just means not yet. Because I had my very first talk show pilot in 2008. No, excuse me. That's 2004 because I was on The View in 2008. In 2004. Mm -hmm. And it's now 2022. Mm -hmm. So it literally took 18 years of God letting me go through ups and downs, devastation, hurts to get some stuff up under me. I didn't know who I was in 2004. If you would have given me a talk show and said, vacuum the flow and, and, and put a fruit basket on your head. If it would have made people laugh, I would have done it. At this place where I'm at, I know what I bring. I know exactly right. what I need to do to do a talk show, make it successful and empower people. And it took 22 years for that. So I'm very excited and I can't wait for people to see Sherry and I can't wait to learn about people. I can't wait to use my platform to empower women and to give folks a platform that have not been seen before. So, yeah, thank you. We're at Cafe Mocha Radio. Socially sad. I 
hear you saying what you will do. Why don't you tell us what you won't do this time around? What I won't do this time around? Um, what I won't do. See, I haven't really thought about what I won't do because I haven't because the things that I won't do I haven't done in so long. Mm-hmm. So it, mm-hmm. I, I'm very thankful that I'm at this place where mm-hmm. that has not come up because I have worked so hard to have a reputation. So people know what not to come at me with. So I guess if you say, Sherry, what won't you do? If I believe in something, I'm going to fight for it. If it does, if it goes against what my spirit is saying inside, I'm not going to do it. I think we have to learn to trust that little voice inside that's, you know, get sometimes get a little scared that people that you say, well, who's going to listen to that voice? And that voice doesn't matter. Yes, it does. You have to learn to listen to it and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So when I get red flags that say, uh, this doesn't feel right. I feel very much confident in going, I don't want to do that. That doesn't work for me. I can't specifically think of things that I won't do, but I do know I listen to that voice inside. I listen to my instinct and I put a lot on God being in control of the situation because I've asked him and I've placed a lot in his hands. And so a lot of times he will say to me, do you have faith that I'm going to do it? And I step back and I go, you show up and show out. It just goes in what I truly believe in and who I know that I am at my core. I know that I, I my calling and my passion is making people laugh. So what you will not see is me do, you know, I'm not a Dr. Phil and I'm not Ayala. So you probably right. won't see me on there. Somebody just crying and going, but I just need advice on how to, you know, then I, all I can say is I'm a pray for you, girl. I'm not that person. My my best friend, Niecy Nash, you know, you always got that one person that got advice on everything and everybody and everyone and everywhere. Yeah. That's Niecy. Niecy got a, she got a word. She got a scripture. She got it. She'll look at you and go, let me tell you what the problem is. See, this is what you need to do. You will never see that coming out of Terry. I don't give you advice unless you go, Terry, I'm begging you. What do you think? <laughs> you don't even got to ask Niecy. You just say, Niecy, my foot hurts. My foot hurts. And she'll go, see, let me tell you something. This is the problem. You've been walking too long. And I told you about it before. And what you need to do is you, never, you ain't going to listen to me. That's Niecy Nash. So that's not Sherry. Sherry will be like, girl, I don't. There was an Ask Wendy segment, and the girl was like, you know, I got two boyfriends, and he want me to get with his wife. And then I was like, girl, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's a hard one. Shoot, I can tell you what worked for me, but I don't know how to tell you what might work for you. So you probably won't see a lot of that advice stuff unless it deals with reinventing yourself and be moving beyond fear. Relationship advice, I don't get in people's relationships. So I guess it's one of the things I will not do. Get in your relationship. You want to stay with him? You didn't seen him? He didn't cheated on you five times and you still want to, Who am I to be trying to talk you out of? Okay, you'll learn. <laughs> but I don't think that's what nobody wants to hear. <laughs> <sighs> Sherry Shepard, you'll have to come back. Absolutely. And I, and I thank you uh, for your support and the excitement. Because, of course, you know, you always get nervous that you're going to throw a party and nobody will come. I'm very, very thankful. Well, people showed up and they will continue to show up for you. So best of luck. Okay. Thank you so much. Please. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're Thank rooting you. you on Sherry Shepard. Ladies Sherry, and gentlemen. Sherry. Thank you. Have a good one, Sherry. Thank you. Go to mochapodcastnetwork.com, mochapodcastnetwork.com to catch all the shows you miss, plus some new shows you might want to check out. Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley got a show together. It's mochapodcastnetwork.com. Until next time, you can find us on all platforms at 
Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com.